Hey! You're listening to Talk of Shame, a Wamina production supported by our sponsor, BetterHelp. I'm your host, Alia Moro. I'm an Egyptian-born, London-raised freelance journalist and author of the best-selling non-fiction book, The Greater Freedom. Having felt the impacts of shame, or Arab, as Arabs like to call it, on many aspects of my life, I've become pretty obsessed with the concept and the question of how we can rid ourselves from it. Throughout the season, I dig deeper into shame with the help of some brilliant guests. Shame breeds shame, so we gotta talk about it. Shame. shame shame to me shame 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 to me is um i would say it's uh kind of it's a way to control or limit a person's activities or behaviors it's an internal struggle between society's labels when it's not aligned with how you feel it gives family society religion a form of control over a person i am told how to be how not to be it's a tool to stop unwanted or undesired behaviors or in a way to make a person think twice about behaving in a certain way. I feel like as women, we tend to carry a lot of shame. And it makes us feel that because of our past or the way we live our life, that we shouldn't move forward and we shouldn't be happy and we shouldn't be happy with who we are and where our life is currently. Getting over that shame has meant redefining and reevaluating what is good and what is bad under what value system and letting that shape who I am and how I exist in the world. There's just so much that we're shamed for as women. As those voices that you've just heard go into a little bit, it can just really have an impact on pretty much every single aspect of our lives. So I'm really excited to dig deeper into all of this over the next 10 episodes. For this first episode, I really wanted to speak to a couple of my friends. We tend to have these kind of conversations all the time. So it was really nice to get onto a mic to just kind of break down a little bit of what shame even is. Cover your shoulders and I'm like, what the fuck are my shoulders going to do to the world? That's Sabrine. She's Egyptian British and happens to be one of my best friends. Tell me one thing about what you've been shamed about that's not for the eligibility of you getting married. And that's Mace, an Iraqi Swede who lives in London. Along with Sabrine, they host one of my favorite podcasts, Third Culture Talks, in which they address many of the nuances of being Middle Eastern third culture kids. And they're really fucking funny. We kicked off with me asking them what they think about when they hear the word shame. Shame breeds shame. Let's talk about it. For me, it's like, instantly feels like there's something wrong with you or something wrong with what you've done. Because it's like a deeper, darker form of embarrassment. Embarrassment is like fun, it's an accident, you can laugh about it. But shame, it's like, oh, like it's very like cringe and dark. You just want to keep it quiet. Sabs, how about you? Yeah, I agree with with the cringing. I also just think of the word Ayyub every time. As soon as I hear shame, I think Ayyub, which for the non-Arabic speakers means shame or rude or inappropriate. 
I think they use it too much on us growing up. Like, ayab is actually just meant to mean shameful, taboo, something wrong. But then if you were sitting in a certain way, ayab, so maybe you think it's like something as casual, inconsiderate, but it's actually a lot deeper than that. It was just thrown around way too much growing up. Exactly. Honestly, I heard that word so much growing up. Like it yeah. was mm-hmm. everything. Like like you said, how you're sitting, how you speak, like how you behave, how you eat. How you laugh. Yeah. Literally, I get it all the time. <laughs> I think it's so interesting what you said, Mace, though, that it's like something taboo because I Mm. feel like so often shame is kind of made to, it kind of is, is, it's used when we're doing something that's considered abnormal or, you know, out of the cultural kind of norms of how we should be behaving. Mm. So it kind of feels like it's, you know, a control to make us be the way that the world or that society thinks that we're supposed to be. And I know, Sabs, that we've spoken before about how you can be shamed in both cultures. So like, you know, we're both Egyptian, but we've grown up in London Mm -hmm. and the shame, the things that you're made to feel shameful for in one culture versus the other. Yeah, absolutely. I think in, let's say where we're living now in British culture, the things that we're supposed to do in our Arabic culture is what's shameful. Like it's shameful that you're still living with your parents. It's shameful that you have to take your community into consideration. It's shameful that you're expected to be married. Like all these things, even like going out and not drinking and doing these things, like that's like shameful to them. It's taboo to them that you're living that way. Whereas the polar opposite is what the Arabs or like, let's just say like our community that's a bit more traditional would shame the Brits for. So it's like you're very much in between and you're just getting a double dose of the shame, which is always fun. It's so true. It's so true. Do you guys remember like the first the first time you you were made to feel ashamed about something and, and what that was? there's way too many. I think like one of the earliest memories that I think I only remember because there's a picture of me doing it. Um, I was wearing like a dress. This goes back to the sitting and I was like wearing it and I was sitting like sitting like a boy with quotation marks, like with my foot up like that, because that's comfortable. And that's how kids sit. And my auntie just slapped my knee. And I think I actually might have just been four years old. It was like at a party. And she was like, no, I put your foot down. Like people can see up your skirt, which is a really weird way to also shame and almost like sexualize a child for the way they're sitting. Like it's a dress, like in Swedish culture, which is where I grew up, you see kids like naked on the beach running around because like they're their kids' bodies, their babies' bodies, they do whatever they want. But I think that's the first time and you feel like, oh my God, I did something wrong. I can never do this again. And it sticks with you. It's just so weird. Yeah, I kind of have a similar story to Mace in terms of like like feeling like you're being sexualized as a kid without them actually meaning to. So like, for example, like if I'm like wearing like a vest top and shorts and my uncles and my grandfather are in the room, it's like, hey, uh, cover your shoulders. And I'm like, what the fuck are my shoulders going to do to the world? Like, I don't understand. Like, I remember being like five or six and literally just kind of raising my eyebrow, like, what? And then since then, I think even just growing up with that has like always made me feel so uncomfortable. Like when I'm at home, (laughs) like if I'm wearing something that doesn't seem appropriate. And even now it's like, I feel more inappropriate because now I have boobs and now I have uh, thighs, you know? Whereas like as a kid, it was just kind of like, what on earth am I going to be sexualized for? 
I definitely think one of the first things, you know, especially as women that we're made to feel really ashamed about is our bodies. And then yeah. that's that that then stems to literally every single thing that we do in the world. Like mm-hmm. sa- same as you guys, I definitely had so many stories like that where my, you know, my mom especially would would, would be very kind of conscious of how I was sitting and how mm-hmm. I was behaving and what kind of attention I was garnering. Yeah. That my brother never had to sort of be told these things like mm-hmm. I don't think anyone ever said I ate to my brother Never. unless it was maybe like maybe he was really being rude you know yeah yeah which is the actual Ayab like he's actually doing something that's not okay yeah they can walk around without a shirt on right or they can walk around in their boxes whereas like god forbid I walk around in my bra <laughs> yeah the thing is it's like I would consider it inappropriate to do that in front of my family yeah whereas my brothers would never think that it's inappropriate for them to be walking around shirtless yeah so it's just it's interesting like how that concept is completely different when we're both from the same household yeah and to this day I would never it doesn't matter what my body's looking like I don't think I could ever bring myself to wearing a sports bra and shorts or a sports bra and leggings at the gym because I would feel so exposed and they make you feel like mm. your skin is literally burning and everyone's looking at you whereas no one is and I almost like envy people who can just do that without thinking of like who's looking at them because how someone else perceives you that's their problem it's not your problem but we were raised as yes. it's your responsibility and like the honor of the whole family lies on me as a child as a seven-year-old yeah rather than everyone else in the family who's a whole ass grown-up oh my god yes I totally feel you I think what's so wild about shame is like the way that it kind of makes us feel about ourselves and how it makes us police our own behavior Mm. like I wrote this book called the greater freedom and so much of it is about you know, despite the fact that I have really open-minded in quotation marks parents and despite the fact that, you know, it wasn't necessarily shame that I got from them specifically, although sometimes it was, I still kind of have this feeling where I feel very conscious of what the expectations for me and my life are. And I kind of struggle sometimes to sort of unlearn that and just be who I am because I always just feel so conscious of what I'm supposed to be doing. And as much as I try and ignore it, I do feel the shame when I'm stepping out of what that is supposed to be. I think that's a really, really good point, because even though you feel it through your book and through your newsletter and through this, you're talking about it. And shame can only like in its purest, worst form can only thrive and exist in silence and secrecy. So the more you talk about it and the more you expose it, you're almost normalizing it. And the taboo and the stigma slowly dies away and it just becomes a conversation more than anything. Yeah. So the more we talk about these things, the less they're going to feel shameful, because it's also a lot of it is other people have shared experiences. It's almost like we have solidarity with all the other Middle Eastern girls we've met that said like all three of us had an experience of the way we dress or the way we sat or the way we laughed. So the more we talk about it, we're like, okay, it's not a big deal. So it's not going to keep me quiet and keep me timid and keep me small so that the shame can take over my life, basically. That's the thing because shame fosters shame, I think. So like the less you speak about it, the more it takes over your life and it then seeps into who you think you are, what you think of yourself even. You know, it can make you feel like, am I a bad person? You feel really alone in your experiences and your thoughts, I think. 
Absolutely. So the antidote to shame is definitely like, it's compassion for yourself and for others. And with that, you get like the kind of self-confidence to live through it as well. So you have to go easier on yourself because just like your community and your surroundings are going to be harder on yourself, you don't need yourself to be even harder and join in that judgment. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to speak a little bit about what shame actually feels like. We've spoken a lot about paralysis, like how it kind of prevents you from being yourself or doing, wanting certain things. Even I feel like it can even make you feel bad for thinking something, which is just wild. Mm -hmm. Um, But what are the other kind of physical feelings of shame, do you think? And like, what are the other sort of impacts on our lives? For me, it's like anything that's associated with anxiety. And I did not know about anxiety when I was younger. Obviously, like Sabrina has said this many times, is that we didn't know much about mental health growing up. We didn't know what was what and what was a panic attack and what was burnout and depression, all these different things. Definitely something else that we're shamed for. 100%. So the shame really, really started for me. Like, I don't want to blame the community constantly, but I had it within my family, but I grew up in a predominantly white Swedish society. Once I started hanging out with Arabs in London, who still fought like the Iraqis back in Baghdad when their parents left, I was shamed for a lot of things. And it was things that I never knew what the hell I was doing wrong, from like the music I listened to, to just like replying to a guy's BBM. And I would be very much slut-shamed for even talking to him because I'm clearly leading him on. And it was my fault, whatever. I would have uh, these like shakes. My body would feel like my stomach would be in a knot. And I would literally feel like I have no appetite. I feel sick. What am I doing? Like, I just wanted this feeling to end. And later on in life, I realized that that's basically like I was having like a mini panic attack every time that was happening. Mm. And it's insane that that's happening because of what other people have chosen to think about you and have chosen to attribute to your actions. Mm. I haven't felt like that in such a long time. And I'm like, I feel blessed to be liberated from that shit now. It's like this fear of getting caught as well. And like, oh my God, that is like the scariest part. The fear of getting caught and what that person is going to think of you. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like we're never really ourselves like we're always kind of like contingent of what someone else thinks or we're like the property of other people so Mm. I'm reflective of like my dad and how my parents raised me yeah Yeah. so it's kind of like the shame is not even just on my behalf it's also for like my entire lineage of blood yeah and it kills your individualism so much that you have to think of like they're gonna think of the way I was brought up, like you said, your dad, your family, your lineage, but can you not just be a free thinking person and have these opinions and do these actions on your own? You can't just be Alia, you can't just be Sabrine, you can't just be Mace, you have to be your whole last name dating back to like, it's not 23andMe, it's not (laughs) Ancestry.com. Like not everyone is responsible for the dumb stuff I did tonight. It was just me tonight. It's a heavy burden to carry. So we've been carrying this our whole lives. When we're talking about the the ages we felt that it came on, like it's not just like a little shift that we had to do here and there. It's like a constant. It's just with you. It's in your backpack. And in that backpack is your ethnicity, your religion, blah, blah, blah. And then it's the shame that comes around that. And it feels like, you know, there is so much judgment and there is so much external pressure. Mm-hmm. But I think what's so kind of heinous about shame is, again, that you don't even need someone else to be shaming you. Like yeah. those sort of ideals have become so ingrained in yourself that you end up doing it to yourself. And I yeah. just think that the impacts that that has on our lives, just like, oh, it just really upsets me. 
it's the height of conditioning. <laughs> it really is. Because yeah. it's such a part of our lives that we know instantly what is shameful and what isn't. Even if I kind of want to put on like, let's say a brave face, like you said, there are things quote unquote, your liberal parents would be okay with, but there's level to that shame. So even in the house, they're okay with you doing, having a boyfriend, dressing this way, dressing that way. But then to the community or to the extended family, they'll apply that shame and be like, but just don't put it on Instagram. Don't let anyone know you're doing this Mm -hmm. because as much as we're cool with it, we don't want to be shamed by them. So it's almost like a generational cycle of them passing the shame down as if it's like a gene. Yeah, God, it is. God, it's like a gene. <laughs> Mostly from my mother's side, I have shame. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? I find that so interesting. Like, it definitely feels like so much of the shame is passed down, I think, from woman to woman. Let's pause the conversation here for some words from our sponsor, BetterHelp. The effects of shame culture can run deep and are often ignored. It can affect our mental health and self-image. And as we take care of our mental health and well-being, it's important to process our experiences and traumas. BetterHelp makes this easy and accessible by assessing your unique needs and matching you to one of their licensed professional therapists in less than 48 hours. You can message your counselor anytime and get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions from the comfort and safety of your own home and skip the uncomfortable waiting rooms of traditional therapy. As a Talk of Shame listener, you get 10% of your first month with BetterHelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P. Use promo code TALKOFSHAME and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Back to the conversation. I think it's a generational thing. The way that I feel about shame is completely different to my sister who is 20, for example, who feels shame in a completely different way, right? Like Gen Z are completely different to us. Mm. And like as millennials, we're still struggling with this idea of shame and like we're right below our parents' generation, right? So I feel like as the generations go further down, the idea of shame is becoming less and less of an issue. Do you feel that your younger sisters feel that less than you do? Definitely. Really? Like in what way? I feel like that generation are already like way more open than our generation. Even the idea that they are like way more open to voicing their opinions, like being more open-minded towards different people. Like they're growing up in a society that is completely different to the one that we grew up in the 90s, you know? So I think that like, because the world is so drastically different to what it was when we were growing up, I feel like that idea of shame is completely different. The people that they're growing up around are already very different to what we're used to. Yeah. They've also had trailblazers. Like we've had the odd auntie or woman that we admired that stood up to shame. Let's say like back then it was like radical to be a feminist. We're talking more and more about it, but I feel like I've spoken more about these things in my mid to late 20s. I'm 31 now and now I can talk about these things. So then they look to that. Like I have a lot of my baby cousins who now they feel like the most shameful thing to them would be to say something stupid in a public forum. They don't care about anything else because everyone else before them did a little bit more so they can do a little Mm -hmm. bit more. It's also about paving that way. So, I mean, I envy them, but I'm also very happy to see that it's trickling down more and more and it's becoming more and more common. Don't get me wrong, there's still communities and there's still people where it's very segregated and the mindset of the elders is so strong that it's passed down to the younger. I mean, I call those women now pick-me women because how are you not going to be on our side and shame the shamers, basically? Like, who are you trying to get picked by? Like, get picked by your own people, innit? 
God, it's so inspiring and encouraging to hear that the younger generation are less um, influenced by it. Although that said, I feel like even some of my friends who were really rebellious growing up and were kind of, you know, very sort of anti the the norms and and the sort of shaming Mm -hmm. around them. Some of them have kids now and, you know, are thinking of having kids and they're very much like, yeah, I'm going to raise my daughter in the exact same way that I was raised. (laughs) The irony. But you hated that. You were really unhappy. And they're like, oh, well, I turned out great. So I'm going to... It's always that I turned out great, but you turned out great in spite of that, not because of that. You had to overcome that. That's not the thing that empowered you to do great things. People are so blind to that sometimes. They're like, but my mom raised me so well. It's like, you can pick and mix a bit. You can take the good and put in some of your own good and leave out some of the bad. So true. And I feel bad because it's sort of like, well, you know, obviously no one's doing that on purpose to kind of try and fuck their kids' lives up, right? Like, definitely my mom didn't tell me the things that she told me to make me feel bad. But those were the things that she thought that I needed to know in order to like have a good life and navigate well in the world. And, you know, I, I get it to a certain degree of why that's said. But then I also just feel so sad for them that they feel like that's the only way to be able to exist in a patriarchal world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much do you think that being marriageable and the kind of importance of us being marriageable material plays in the sort of aib and the shaming that we deal with as we're growing up? Babe, 110 million percent. Yeah. It's got nothing to do but that. We are just bachelorettes that needs to be lined up (laughs) and we need a rose at the end of it. Like, there's nothing. Tell me one thing about what you've been shamed about that's not for the eligibility of you getting married. (laughs) Literally, your age, the way you dress, the way you don't laugh too loud, don't do this. It's all so someone will marry you. It's not so that you will get a job. No one's really shaming you. Well, my dad would shame me about my grades, but my mom would be like, okay, whatever. Like no one's really shaming you about your career or anything like that. That's something that we get from, let's say the Western side. They would shame you if you didn't have a job and you wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. They'd be like, don't you have ambitions? You know, that would be a huge thing. But no, a million percent, it's about marriage. They don't care about anything else, man. Yeah, it's funny. It's so cool. I love the passion with that. It's <laughs> oh true, God. isn't it? It's like how you look. Oh, you're not attractive and not like you're mm. not, you know, your hair's mancusha, like messy, like, you know, which guy is going to want you to be his wife like this? Yeah. You can't like be seen with guys because then you're like a whore. So like, who's going to want to wife that? Mm-hmm. Um, all of this kind of stuff. So Mace, obviously you are married. Yeah. Do you feel like shame impacts you less now that you're married? I feel like I have the biggest middle finger to everyone because (laughs) I was on paper the least married material. I cannot cook. I cannot clean. I've learned to do the dishes now. Um, I don't cook. I don't clean. I don't do that stuff. (laughs) I'm not like, I'm not a quote unquote good girl. I don't dress how like the aunties want me to. I used to go with my curly hair and whatever to all these things. And my mom would be like, oh, I'll comb it. A woman even sat me down once, like very unsolicited advice and was like, Mace, just act a bit more ladylike. And then once you have him, you can be yourself because he's already trapped. This was like legit advice someone gave me when I was 27 and still unwed, basically. They were like, also, I shouldn't go to like live concerts and put it up on Instagram. And like, you shouldn't be like rapping along to these like songs and like men don't really Mm -hmm. like that. And a lot of men didn't. Like people really tried to shape me into someone that would be more marriage material. And within a year of that woman saying that to me, I met Mo, we started dating, we got engaged, it was mad chill, we had a wedding. And like, 
happily ever after. So I'm very much like when someone says that, I'm like, no, I didn't do that and I'm married. Yeah. So I love saying that in front of aunties. I was like, doesn't matter. I didn't do that. I can't cook. It's okay. I'm still married. And they hate it because then they can't <laughs> tell their daughters anything. So I'm like, <laughs> Wait, and is there anything that you're shamed for now that you are married? I don't know if it's shamed per se, but I think that there's an expectation and it's like, oh, haram, she doesn't have kids yet because I'm 31 now. There's always a next thing. There is. Sometimes people would be like, oh, but if you just got married younger, because I'm like, listen, we want to enjoy like our lives as a couple as well. And we want to chill and we want to travel and we want to do all these things. I'm like, I don't want to have kids yet. I'm a little bit selfish. Like I want to feel like I've lived a little bit more and then, you know, we can do that later. There's time, you know, but I do get that a lot. And people feel like it's okay to say that. I'm like, I don't know what my feelings are about having children. Mm -hmm. Um, And every time I say that, the shock and like the horror Mm. is so mind boggling to witness because it's like, I'm personally offending your idea of what a woman should be and what she should want. It's like, whoa, I can't even imagine that that's something that you wouldn't want. It's an expectation of you as a woman. I remember the first person out of my friend group who was like, I'm never having kids. The world is overpopulated. Maybe I'll adopt later. Because if someone tells them, you might change your mind. And then the, your biological clock is ticking. Yeah. She's like, I'll just adopt. Like, I'll just adopt someone who needs it. And even if I'm single, I'll do that. And that was revolutionary. And she mm. said that when we were in our early 20s. And everyone told her she changed her mind. She still not changed her mind. But it's becoming more and more normal, like amongst people our age to say that, but it's not becoming normalized. Then you're right. Across the cultures, absolutely not. That you don't even want to have that on your radar. It's like, it's beyond imaginable for them. Yeah, I feel like there's so much shame in all cultures when it comes to women. Like we're shamed Mm. for being too thin or too fat, (laughs) shamed for our period, like shamed for so many things. And I, you know, I feel very strongly that it's like a form of control ultimately. Definitely. I'd love to hear if you guys have any thoughts in terms of the origins of shame. Like I've been doing so much reading into all the things that we're made to feel ashamed about. And it is things Mm -hmm. like periods or, you know, things that in a way are like really our feminine aspects and things that are our power in the world as well in some ways. You've nailed it there. You've answered your own question. If it's things that is our femininity and our power that needs to be controlled, who can we control with that power? Who wants the power? Who wants to have all the power? Oh, you're (laughs) getting in there. We're put into this and covered because that's what shame is essentially trying to do is trying to cover up everything, both like metaphorically and physically, then we don't have any power in this world. We don't have anything that we can feel like proud about and feel free and carefree about. If we look at like where it all started, I find, you know, one of the main things that we're shamed about as women, I think, is sex and our sexuality across cultures, like slut shaming is still rife. And I was reading this book recently and there was something so fascinating, which basically said that it was during the agricultural revolution, essentially, that all of this stuff started to shift because that was when, you know, land started to matter. That was when it really started to be important who the offspring was and that it belonged to the father, right? That specific father so that they could pass on their land to it. And Mm. ever since then, women have been so shamed for their sexualities, basically, in order to feed into like this capitalist notion of, you know, this hierarchical kind of passing down of the lineage. So it essentially started with 
men being like, how do I know that I am the father of this son? Yeah. And then it was like, okay, now we're going to make sure that you're not having sex with another man yes. so that he can inherit my land. Yeah. And then now we're here. So it's so interesting because it is really like men fucking controlling women. And <laughs> Noelle Sadia, we RIP, I'm obsessed with her. And there's this quote in her book where she says, for Arab men, shame is associated only with poverty or the actions of their women. Ooh, and that, ooh, that. that hit me it's differently. So RIP. Allah arhamha. That is words of wisdom. Man. It's so true, isn't it? Like literally nothing else is shameful for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Poverty and the shame of the women. So none of their actions, no, none of their like, no violence on their behalf, nothing else shameful, not them being dumb in public, like nothing like that. <laughs> They're so it's like just encouraged us. to go out, do what they want, sleep with whoever they want, they do what they dress want, dress however they want. So we're literally on this hike of life and we're carrying our backpack and their backpack and we're just handing them the water every now and then so they're not poor. Yeah. And we're just like, please, am I marriageable enough for you now? Like, please, <laughs> please, a diamond, a blood diamond on my hand. <laughs> and if and if you reject them, it's like shame on you, right? I know. It's What's wrong shame with on her? them for whatever they're doing? It's like, oh, actually, no you're the issue uh he's he's 35 and unwed he's working on his career mashallah she's 35 and unwed what's wrong with her why didn't they want her <laughs> meh, meh, meh. <laughs> she must be a slut in it something wrong with her <laughs> i remember there was one girl that i interviewed for my book and her husband had cheated on her and she was made to feel ashamed about it like it was kind of like well what have you done to upset him oh my god someone literally said to her Oh, but you have gained a bit of weight. No, stop it. Oh my God. Oh, my, I actually feel sick. Wow. <laughs> you know, if someone said that to me and I was in that moment of like hurt, I, I don't care what their age and standing it, I would have to slap them. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I would have to. Imagine someone says that. What did you do? If someone hits you with their car, you're not going to be like, hmm. But like, was I was I crossing too slowly? But it is always like that. Like if you get harassed in the street, it's like, oh, well, you were wearing a really tight dress, dude. Oh, but you were wearing heels. Like, they heard you. Oh, but you were laughing out loud. Like, oh, maybe you bent over and they thought that that meant that they can spank you. You know, like, it's just like... Oh, God. It's always something that you're doing to trigger or instigate yeah. or, like, aggravate a man to do something back to you, you know? But it's like, how can we make their lives easier? How can we be less of a temptation and less of a distraction? And they can't just control themselves. And there's so much like one thing, like I remember when I lived in Egypt, I would smoke quite a lot of cigarettes and me smoking a cigarette seemed to signal to everyone like what kind of human I was. Yes. Oh, fully. So I'm immediately a bad girl. I immediately do ABC, like all this other yeah. long list of stuff that they've kind of attributed to this one behavior. Yeah. Thank Hollywood. <sighs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Think of like Greece where she's wearing like the tight black leather and she's putting out a cigarette and that makes her like easy and hot and all these things. So they're like, yeah, okay, right. She's from London. She's smoking. She's doing this. She's down. But if you were married and had kids, the justification for being a woman that smokes would be, oh, but she's married to her husband can kind of 
my husband can deal with that <laughs> oh, you know whereas like if you're that. single and underage and I don't know what it's like oh you're a hoe no one's gonna want to marry you whereas if you're married they're like oh she's lucky she's good she's good he her can husband her, left her or whatever yeah. would be the exactly you, you go from your dad letting you and not letting you to your husband letting you and not like you have to always be like the responsibility of a man and when I'd be like at school I was like my brother's responsibility so it's always someone else and I'm like I can take on myself it's fine like it's I, I got me yeah we got a whole lot of episodes coming where we're going to continue to debunk. So thank you so much for starting this off with me. Thanks, Oz. Our pleasure. Bye. Bye. I love chatting with Sabs and Mace so much. Mace is 23 and me comparison just killed me when I was listening back to this. I too want to be solely blamed for my actions, especially on a night out. I do want to say actually though that while we said throughout the episode that men are shamed for basically nothing, upon further reflection I guess that's not exactly true. Toxic masculinity tells men that they can't be vulnerable or emotional and that's something very toxic that they're shamed for, for sure, and that has an impact probably on all sorts of things including the reasons why we're shamed so much as women. We made some jokes, well <laughs> Mace made most of them. But it's easy to hear the frustration at just how much of an impact shame has on our lives. As we touched on in the episode, it really does feel like we are shamed for pretty much everything and that it starts from a really young age. It's a big burden to feel like even our bodies are a battleground for opinions. Next week, I'll be getting further into this with Noori Mem, best known as Instagram's mother being. We speak about how we're so often raised through shame and fear and how she's going about trying to raise a sex-positive, shameless daughter. Here's a snippet of Noor's wisdom from next week's episode. All children deserve to grow up in an environment where it's okay to learn about their bodies. Because at the end of the day, it's their body. Like, no one has the right to take away this knowledge from someone. Creating that shame and stigma so early on really sets up our children to failure. I'm Alia Moro, and you've been listening to Talk of Shame, a Wemina production supported by our sponsor, BetterHelp. Sound designed by the talented Nicholas Alexander. Special thanks to Wemina producers Amira Ahmed, Elisa Friha, and Rhythma Ekinayaki. Thanks to everyone who submitted voice notes for this week's episode. Follow me at Alia Moro and at Wemina to submit your thoughts for future episodes. We'll be dropping questions every Saturday. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, download and review. It really does help get the word out there. Talk to you next week.